You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. It is essential as children of God that we have a genuine, a real relationship with God. It has to be real. has to be genuine. And the Lord will allow certain things to happen in our lives to show us whether our relationship with him is real or pseudo. I said he will allow certain things to happen. And when he does allow certain things to happen that, sh- that show us that we're not where we need to be with him, we can't be like the rich young ruler in Luke 18. Let's consider what he did uh, in Luke 18. Go there with me. We'll start at verse 18. Luke 18, and we'll start at verse 18. Now, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, or Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know, because some people will call you something just trying to impress you. And so he, he was trying to see his, his motive for calling him good. But he puts on the table what I need to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus said to him in verse 20, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said. All these things have I kept from my youth. I've been doing that a long time, Jesus. Hey, I got that down. Pack. Jesus heard these things. He said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. He said he lacked one thing, and the thing that he was lacking was, or the implication is, he was not a giver. He had been robbing God. 
He was basically under a curse. One thing you lack, one thing you ain't been doing, you ain't been giving. You ain't been helping people the way you should be helping people. See, God blesses us to be a blessing. He blesses us to be a blessing. And so he then goes on to say to him in the latter part of uh, verse 22 that if he gives, he'll have treasure in heaven. And then he told him, and, and come be my disciple or come follow me. You're going to have treasure in heaven. And when you understand heaven, uh, heaven is not just our final destination. Heaven is the abode of God. Wherever God is, there, is, there you have heaven. Just in that sense. Now, we know heaven as the final destination for the saints. That's where we're going to live. But heaven in scripture is the abode of God. He was just basically saying to him that if you do what I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed according to the will of God. And we know that because the scripture tells us give and it shall be what? To the point to what Jesus said in Luke 6 and 38, good Press, shaken, and running over. He was letting him know, if you do what I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have treasure. You're going to have a lot. You're going to have something that's special. How many know if you find a treasure, that, a treasure that's special? Even sometimes you run up on something that, that's in your size, what you were looking for. To you, that's a You done prayed about something, something that you want, and then when you get there, exactly what you prayed for is there. That is a treasure. And he told him, if you just give, you're going to have a treasure. In the abode of God or heaven, you're going to have a treasure. So he told Jesus he been, he, he, he's a follower of God. Been keeping all the commandments for a long time, but Look what happens in verse 23. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful. For he was very rich. Wonder how he got what he got. It's clear that it wasn't God. Because if he really understood God, the way he said he did, he know you can't beat God giving. What's that old song, you can't beat God giving no matter what? Y'all know that song. Don't try to let you down. That song went in him because he left how? Sad. In other words, money was more important than him than eternal life. He said he wanted it, but, but then when all was said and done, eternal life was, was not as important as money was. Bottom line, he was operating in 1 Timothy 6 and 10, the love of money. 
And the Bible says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So he talking about he was keeping the commandments, but it was evil there. He was pseudo. He was not real. And I'm going to tell you something. God has showed me uh, as a Christian that, look, Walker, what you were testifying, you, you, you weren't living there, and that's the reason I had to show you. God will show you yourself. You'll be acting like you one thing, but God will have to show you yourself to let you know that, look, you need to make some changes right here because you ain't what you You ever been there? And so we have to be to the point to where we make sure our relationship with our God is genuine, is real. To the point to where even if he exposes us like he did the rich young ruler, we ain't going to fight. We ain't going to fight it. We're just going to get it right. We're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to repent. We're going to turn from what we need to turn from. And start walking according to his, his will. And see, as a child of God, in, in order for us to have a genuine, a real relationship with Jesus we have to be able to define our relationship with him. You can't allow social media to define your relationship with God. You can't allow your family, your co-workers, or others to define your relationship with God. Matter of fact, you can't allow your flesh you have to put your flesh under subjection. Let your flesh know, look, this is not the relationship that, that I have with God. You're not going to take control. Even your emotions, because your emotions will try to dictate to you what type relationship you should have with your Lord. When I, when I speak of you have to define, I mean you have to show clearly in life exactly who God is to you. You have to show clearly in your thoughts, your words, and your deeds that you have a bona fide relationship with the master. You have to be to the point to where you Define your relationship with God, whether things are wonderful or chaotic. Because God will allow a confusing situation to come forth just to see if you allow your flesh of what you see to pull you into that entanglement or if you're going to stand firm on what he told you. If he told you he was going to heal you, you can't allow confusion to tell you otherwise. 
if he told you better is here and better is coming, you can't allow what you're battling in your mind to dictate to you that something else is going to happen. You have to be conclusive in your being that if God said it, that settles it. If God said he'd make it good, I'm waiting on the good to happen, even though nothing is taking place but bad as far as what I can see. Because how many know God can change something in a split second? Matter of fact, he can do it in a millisecond. God does what eyes have not seen. Woo! I thought I was going to get some happy folk. I said God does what eyes have not seen. Some of us, we should have been leaping because God have did some things in our life that we never imagined would happen. We, we, went, we went to the lot looking for one thing, but when all was said and done, God did something bigger and better. Woo, I said God did something bigger and better. You're just looking around trying to figure out what you might do. And then God just whispered in your ear, go over there. Because over there is what I have just for you. And when God told you this is it, when you looked at it, you said, Lord, I didn't expect this right here. I know I'm God. I'll do exceeding abundantly above what you ask or what you think. And so you have to be to the point to where, again, you are sure in your being about your relationship with God. You have to be sure when you go through afflictions because, because afflictions are going to come. Psalm 34 and 19 says, many are the affliction of the righteous. But you can't stop with that part of the verse. You have to go on because God assures us that he's going to deliver us out of everything that we go through. I, I love to read the Bible, especially when you read stories about Daniel, about Jeremiah and others that, that went through things and, and you couldn't wait to, to find out how God changed the situation, how God turned the thing completely around. You know, our God is a God of the supernatural. When, when you see what he did for Daniel in Daniel, the third chapter, when you see what he did for the Hebrew boys in Daniel, the sixth chapter, you can't help but reach the conclusion God does supernatural things for folk that have a real relationship with him. God does things that, that will cause you to look with your mouth wide open and wonder how in the world did he turn that thing around the way he did but you know what? I, I just don't have to go to the scripture to look at how God has performed the supernatural. Sometimes all I have to do is just open up my ear and listen to testimonies like Minister Florence. And look at folks in the congregation that I know have been through this, that, and the other. But God turned their situation completely around. If you want to know if God would deliver you from a sickness that's trying to kill you, all you have to do is look at Elder Thomas and Elder Beasley and know that if God did it for them, he'll do it for you. He will bring you out. But you have to be to the point to where you can define who God is to you. 
You can't allow your doctor to define how your life is going to end. You have to know what God has promised you in scripture. When your doctor tells you that it's not going to end right, it's not going to end the way you expect, you have to put scriptures like John 10, 10 on him. The thief comes not before the steal, kill, and destroy. But my God came that I might have life and that I might have it more abundantly. You can't even allow your preacher if he's not talking word to dictate to you how your life is going to turn out. You have to know the word for yourself. That's the reason the Bible says let every person work out his or her own salvation. How? With fear and trembling before God. With fear, obedience. You have to obey God. You can't live it because the preacher is telling you to do it. You have to have a personal, a real relationship with him. And you got to be sure about what you have. And when God shows you otherwise, you just got to correct some things. It ain't no shame in getting it right. That's one thing the word comes from, to show us up. To show us what we need to do. Rich young ruler going to walk away sad. He should have been repenting. Because we could have told him if we, we were back then, look, get, sell everything. Because God will turn around and do for you what you have never had in your life. Yeah, folk that argue about tithing, they, they don't know the blessing of tithing. They don't know the blessing of giving God 10% and an offering. Tithing ain't nothing to argue about. That's a blessing. Tithing was created for us to receive divine benefit from God. David, who was a tither, penned in the Psalms that God daily loads me down with what? Benefits. Why? Because he was a giver. He gave to God. But that's how he knew God. He knew God as a God that would outgive him. He knew God as a God that would do the supernatural. But how do you know him? See, all of us got different testimonies. We learn from one another, but, but we have personal testimonies that, that when we talk about the things of God, we define who he is based upon what he has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Sometimes I base what God is going to do on what I hear you talking about. When I hear you talking about God is doing this, that, and the other in your life, I'd be like, well, you know, God, how God is, he ain't just going to do it for her and not do it for me. He may start with Deacon Holland, but he ain't going to stop with Deacon Holland. God ain't just going to show up and just bless Deacon Holland and not bless other folks when he is the one that has decreed in his house that in blessing he's going to bless his people. 
Now, it'd be different if we're sitting around a pool and, and folk looking for somebody to bless them other than God. He may show up and just, and just may do one thing for one person like he did in the scripture. You know them folk waiting around for an angel to come around and check and, and uh, trip, do something to the water and, and then they're going to get their blessing. They're waiting on an angel. We ain't waiting on no angel. We're waiting on God to bless us any way he see fit. And God said, if you hunger and thirst after my righteousness, I'll fill you. You'll fill us? Yeah, I'll bless you if I see you hungry for it, Walker. If you want it and I done told you, I would give it to you, Walker. And you're hungering for it, I'll fill you. Can't nobody fill you like God. Can't nobody bless you like God. God will make your cup run over. Your cousin won't even put three drops in it. When God get through blessing you, he'll cause your cup to run over. Some of y'all ain't happy yet. I'll get happy by myself. I'll turn in victory by myself. I'll for joy by myself. See, your testimony don't always need to be pastor said. God did such for pastor. Well, you know the bishop received such and such. No, you need to have your own testimony. Because as long as you are dependent on other folks' testimonies, You will change in midstream. Because if the only thing moves you is other folk, you waiting on somebody to say something that's going to move you. You need to have your own personal testimony that moves you. You need to be able to shout about something that God has done in your life. You need to be able to leap for joy in your living room about something God has done for you. And you shouldn't always have to go back 10 years ago. If God is God, he's doing some right now things. I said if God is God, he's doing some right now things. But you know, Pastor, the pandemic, I don't care if, if, it's, if it's a triple pandemic. God can do and will do what he does despite what's taking place. How many believe that? Matter of fact, how many know that? See, you need to be able to, you need to be able to testify about what, what God is going to do in the midst of your affliction. You need to be in the hospital talking about this too shall pass. You need to be needing money. Say, God, getting ready to open up them windows, good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over. You need to be able to say it without the preacher telling you to say it. If I just had somebody to touch and agree with me. You need to be able to pray even if you ain't got one person around to touch and agree with you on something. 
Sometimes God just wants you to come through your back. David was to the point to where him and his men had been fighting and when they got back to their camp his wife and children were gone. Their wives and children were gone. So somebody got to point the finger and it went from one person pointing the finger to everybody pointing the finger. Guess who they were pointed at? David. Nobody was on David's side. No human. Everybody was against him. It was so terrible to where David didn't even trust the priest to pray for him. David said, God, all these folk against me. And so he got the he told he got the priestly garments from the priest and had to encourage himself. Can you imagine hundreds of folk that have seen the power of God, but now they point the finger? And so David encouraged himself. And God said, look, this is what you need to do right here. I don't know how long David had to preach to him to to get him to understand that God had talked to him. But But they did eventually. And they went and they not only recovered everything that had been taken, but they ended up getting some more stuff. You know who that's like. That's just like our Lord. That's just like our Jesus. It looked bad, but then he tell you, look, you're going to get everything back. And then you get there and you say, well, the Lord said we're going to get everything back. But then you look over in the corner, plus. Ain't our God a plus God? He'll bless you with not only what you, you put in it, but then he'll bless you with some more. But you have to know God for yourself. You can never allow anybody to dictate to you who God is when it comes to your life. You have to know him personally. Because folk would try to put something on you. And, and you can't be like some folk. Some, some folk will allow folks to mark them. Get this. For life. Even, even have them calling a disease their disease. Well, you know, I got my COVID-19. Oh, that's your COVID-19. Yeah, I got that. That's my virus. Oh, okay, that's yours. No, you you don't you don't claim what folk want you to claim. Some folk want you to claim it because they want to make money off of you. 
if I get her to believe that this going to always be her condition. I can continue to make money off of it. And I'll look for that $500 every month and just, and just write them a prescription. How you doing? Well, you know my, 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 my COVID is still cutting up a little bit. Well, let me just give you a prescription. And folks have been taking stuff for years. Paying out thousands of dollars. And the thing that they're taking is eating up the inside of them. You have to define who you are. You have to define what you're going to accept. And what you're going to reject. You have to know as a child of God. That the Lord wants you to live according to his word. He wants you to live according to his will. No I don't want you to live Barry 103. I don't want you to live Darnell 102. I want you to live according to what thus saith God. Whether you live it in the church or outside the church. You never allow a thing to dictate to you how well you're going to be. No, you allow the living God. The God that breathes. The God that talks. The God that empowers you. The God that gives you the ability to think, talk, and act to define to you who you are. This is tough for some of us because you're so used to being folks pushover to where that's who you think you have to be. But God never ordained for you to be a pushover. Never ordained for you to live according to the dictates of man. He ordained for his children according to Romans 1 and 17 to live by faith. And even told us how it was going to be given to us. He said the righteousness of God. Romans 1 and 17. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written the just shall live by faith. What do you mean the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith? Romans 10 and 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You have to live according to the word. Take it because God is leading you to take it. Go do it because God is leading you to do it. Don't ever trust anything or anybody wholeheartedly to the point to where you take their word no matter what they put on the tape. The devil lives a liar. God gave me the spirit of God to guide me not just into some truth but into How many are understanding? You have to define who he is to you. And and when you have in your being who God is to you, it will be obvious or clear in your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. 
You know, he ain't doing what we're doing because he trusts in his God. And folks will think you stupid because you trust in your God. Thinking something wrong with you because you're trusting your God. Contextually, or according to Psalms 27, 1, the latter part, David defined his God as the strength of his life. The power that I have when it comes to my thoughts, my words, and my deeds originate from my Savior. That was David's testimony. He is the strength of my life. If I'm going to come through this sickness that has attacked my body, it's going to be my God that empowers me. If I'm going to possess what God told me to go and get, it's going to be because he is empowering me to do it. He is the strength of my Life. David was totally dependent on the omnipotence of God to do for him what he needed. Get this, on a daily basis, he is the strength of my life. If I'm going to overcome it, it's going to take God. If I'm going to make it through this right here, it's going to take God. David had a real relationship with God. And, and get this. When it came to sinning, David sinned more than most. But David had the attitude, if I just get this thing right before God and walk accordingly, It's going to be well. That, that was a time when, when the prophet showed up and exposed David. Say, David, that, that was a person that, that had all these lambs, but it was one, this one little lamb that, that, that this, this man, he just had to have this one little lamb. Wasn't satisfied with all that he had. And David was getting mad. Said, who is this? Who is this? That, that wasn't satisfied with all he had. Then the prophet dropped on him. You. You the guilty one. You know what he did when he found out he was wrong? Repented. See, David depended on God. Knew he was the strength of his life. And knew the value of the Holy Spirit. To the point to where he messed up one time, but, but he went before God in prayer. He said, Lord, whatever you do, don't take your spirit from me. Don't take it away. Please, Lord, don't take your spirit away from me. He knew the value of the Holy Spirit. He knew that his life was dependent on the spirit of the Lord. David knew thousands of years before Jesus told his disciples, 
in John 16 and 13, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. David knew that. He knew it before Jesus penned it. Or before John penned what Jesus said. He knew it. He knew that the Spirit would guide him into all truth. And, and see, sad thing, when, when certain things happen, folk will look more to people than the Holy Spirit. I talked to somebody this week who says they have the Spirit of God. That they're waiting on such and such before they do particular things. And I just simply ask one question. Well, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Am I trying to embarrass or belittle the person? But I just ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Because the person had been saved longer than me. Had been preaching longer than me. And I just simply ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying? And just like I am silent right now, as I was. Silent. See, the Bible tells us quench not the spirit of God. And see, you can quench the spirit of God in a minor way, but also in a major way to the point to where it leaves. You can become unclean and the spirit is not going to dwell in an unclean temple. He's not going to do it. And see, David knew the importance of the Holy Spirit again to the point where he said, whatever you do, don't take it away. So I'm going to tell you all something. I can't bring y'all a message without the Holy Spirit. No, I can't. I, I got so much stuff going on in my life to where there's no way I can do all that I do unless I have the Holy Spirit. I'll kill myself. I'll, I'll stress myself out doing all that I do if, if I'm not led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has my schedule. Should I do this? Should I do that? Because I don't want to be to the point to where I mess myself up. He'll guide you, get this, into all truth. He'll got you when it comes to little things and major things. That's what he does. And so it's reflected again in what David says. He is the strength of my life. And because God was so strong in his life, his testimony was, whom shall I be afraid? I'm not going to allow anything to cause me to fear because he is the strength of my life. God is the strength of my life. And so I want to look at a couple of things in scripture and I'm going to be done. All right? In reference to God being strength. And we're also, we're going to, in looking at it, we're going to see what David said or what 
Yeah, what David said, as well as what was manifested in his life, as well as what we see in the life of the Apostle Paul. One scripture in particular. We're going to start there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12. Y'all good? I dropped some stuff. I did everything you may not agree with, but I tried to stay biblical. 2 Corinthians 12, we'll start at verse 9. No, 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 I'm going to start a little, I'm going to go to verse 7, I think, for clarity's sake. 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. And, and Paul said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, what thing? The, the saying, the messenger of Satan buffeting him. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. It was a problem for him. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. But notice this. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength will take care of what you deem a problem. It's a problem to you, Paul, that you can't solve. But I can. It's causing a weakness. But I'm going to help you out with my strength. He was basically going to do for Paul what David talked about in Psalm 27 and 1. He was going to be the strength of his life. Because he recognized that, that, that the messenger was causing a weakness, a lacking. And Paul wanted it gone. Now, now, now notice this right here as we continue. Latter part of verse 9 of the second sentence. Paul said, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. Another word for weaknesses. That the power of Christ, notice, may rest upon me. Nobody but God can, can uh, give you the strength you need even though you're battling something in your body. Even though something is constantly attacking you, God can give you strength to deal with it. Won't move it, but he'll give you the strength to deal with it. That's some of our testimony. Something we don't ask God, God, get this completely gone. No, I ain't going to do that because I got it there for a reason. But I will give you the power you need. In order to move forward and not let that thing hinder you. Amen? Amen. How many ever balanced something? You, you prayed to God move it, He didn't move it. But He gave you the strength to keep going despite what was happening in your life. 
But notice how Paul accepted what, what the Lord told him. Most gladly. He was happy about it. He was happy. He's, he, he just going to give God the glory. Be, because if he didn't give God the glory. His strength would not have rested upon him. Y'all alright? Alright, let's go to uh, Nehemiah. Chapter 8. If you go to 2 Chronicles, you'll see Ezra. And then the next book is Nehemiah. Consider Nehemiah chapter 8. And keep in mind, Psalm 27, 1, the latter part, David said that the Lord was the strength of his of his life. Nehemiah 8 and 10. Well let's start at verse 9. For clarity. Nehemiah 8 9. And Nehemiah who was the governor of Ezra the priest and scribe. And the Levites who taught the people. Said to all the people. This day is holy. To the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept. When they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day, again, he reminds them, is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. And notice there's a command here. Do not sorrow. Then he tells them why. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He didn't say the joy of the Lord was their strength just that day. Point blank, the joy of the Lord is their strength. But they had to make the choice to rejoice in God in order to receive that what? Strength. Don't ever get to the point to where you never give God praise. You're going through trouble, give God praise. Why? Strength comes from it. It didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out. Give God the praise. Why? You're going to get strength from it. And remember, it's, that, that does not mean he, he's just going to empower you. But when God gives you strength, we're not talking about something that a man is giving you. God's strength changes things. It'll change you, but it'll change your situation for the better. The joy of the Lord is your the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do it really take all that praising if I want some strength? You, you, can't you just say that dancing for church? You out here in the field dancing. Well, I need some strength in the field. There she is over there on the office waving her hand. That ought to be on the computer over there waving her hand. Don't she know this ain't no church? She needs some strength. In the office. The joy of the Lord is your. It just didn't say in church, did it? How many know you got to praise God wherever you need some help? I know y'all be leaving us like that. You believe pastor pray God in the dollar store. Like he say, you believe he'll do that? You ought to come with me. 
You ought to come out on 166. When they done put them mixed nuts on sale. Two for four dollars and ninety-nine cents. You don't just praise him for the big things. You praise him for the... When I get my house, I'm going to show no praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him when he's talking about giving me a house. I'm going to praise him when I'm driving by. And he said, the next house you see, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to praise him right then. While I'm driving, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord have mercy. Let me hear it. And, and so Nehemiah wanted it to be a corporate thing. He wanted them to recognize that, look, if you praise him, he's going to strengthen you. We see, we seen Paul back in 2 Corinthians 12. It was an individual thing, but now we see a corporate thing. See, God is omnipotent. Just because he gives you some strength does not mean he can't give me none. He never runs out of strength. You know how folk is. I'm too tired to help you. I help him. I'm tired. Now I got to rest. Maybe tomorrow I can help you. God ain't going to do that to you. God will help you right after he done help a thousand folk a ten thousand folk he never runs out of strength I mean understanding and so again you, you, we have to remember that David said he is the strength of my life so let's look at a couple of things in reference to David exemplifying or manifesting uh, in words and deeds that God was the strength of his life. Let's start in Psalm 16. I'm just going to look at two more Psalms and I'm done. Y'all stay with me. Psalm 16. Verse 11. Look at what he said. And, and notice how positive. Sure and conclusive it is. Here. Psalm 16 and 11. David said, you will show me. You will show me. Was he optimistic? The path of life. You're going to show me. You're going to show me exactly what path I should go down. Because sometimes you just don't know, do you? No, sometimes you just don't know. And so God going to show you. Yeah. You know, because sometimes we, we think, uh, we, let, we let our money determine what path we're going to go down. You messing up. God can give you money on the way. Or uh, before you go. Y'all ain't ready for that one yet. But no, you will show me what? The path of life. And notice this. In your presence is fullness of joy. David got real happy and he went on to say, at your right hand. Of pleasures forevermore. 
He acknowledged that God had the strength to give him things that would please him at your right hand. His omnipotence. At your right hand are pleasures, notice, forevermore. God has the ability to, to keep you happy. To keep you satisfied. Can't nobody satisfy you like God. I don't want to get saved. You know, I got a trouble with men. Can't nobody please you like God, though, no, sister. Well, Pastor, I would get saved, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the man, you know, and I got these gals. And yeah, hey, can't nobody give you pleasure like God. He'll satisfy you. I don't care how many men you have, sister, how many women you have, brother. Nobody can satisfy you like God. Nobody. Understand that. God can, God can satisfy you to the point to where there will be no longing. You hear me? And see, this is a, this is a man, David, that, that's saying this. You ever read about David? You ever read about David had thousands of of concubines and hundreds of wives. But look at who he says here satisfies him. See, see, people will always have a longing that don't have God. Every night tell folks, don't, don't get married looking for somebody to complete you. You need to be completed before you get married. You need to be satisfied before you get married. That way when your husband or your wife does come, it's just going to be a compliment. Woo! But notice again, the first part of Psalm 1611, you will show me what? He'll show you what to do. Everything you can't get caught up in social media. We take tools that are good and turn them into something that we should. We shouldn't do. We can't do that. Psalm twenty-three. Lord of mercy, I'm closing with Psalm twenty-three. But how many see in Psalm 16 and 11 that God was the strength of David's life to the point to where he trusted him to show him what? The path of life. Psalm 23. I want to read two verses. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now notice. The Lord is the strength of his life. Here he says the reason he ain't going to want a lack it's because God is his what? Shepherd. The primary thing, the primary two things that a shepherd did was feed and protect a sheep. Primary things. Feed and protect. Feed and protect. And notice this, when, when, when the shepherd would feed and protect 
the sheep. The main thing he did in order to do that was to guide the sheep. And the main thing God does to feed us and protect us is to guide us. He guides us. His word protects us. His word feeds us with what? Knowledge and understanding. Which we take and apply to our thoughts, words, and deeds. That's what God does. Reason we ain't stressing ourselves out, be our shepherd. I shall not want. I don't know who to believe, who not to believe. Well, you ain't got no shepherd. If God is truly your shepherd, if he's genuine, you, you, ain't, wor- you ain't worrying about whose opinion to believe. Don't, don't believe nobody's opinion. Nobody's report. That was a time that, that a, a messenger of God was sent to the camp of Israel. And you know, when a messenger is sent from God or from heaven, that messenger does specifically what God tells him to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And so when he showed up, Joshua had the audacity to ask him, whose side are you on? You know what he told him? He said, I ain't on nobody's side. I'm here because God sent me here. I'm, all, I'm with God. I, I, it ain't no side to me. I am with God. See, sometimes we get, we, get, we get wrapped up in whose opinion or whose side. Which is, well, pastor's saying this, but they saying such and such. You, you, you ain't got to be trying to figure out whether you should believe me or somebody else. This right here, what we have to be concerned about right here, was written and was revealed. That's what we got to be concerned about. Because folk have good opinions. Folk can say stuff that, that'll make you shake your head. Yes, they will. If you're not careful, folk will say stuff that'll, that'll sound right. But you have to understand, that's one of the biggest tactics of, of a demon or the devil. You read, you read Matthew 4, what, what Satan was saying to Jesus, it sounded right. You hear me? There are some stuff folks can say to you that sound right. Ain't that right, sisters? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Look at verse 6. Now, remember how I started. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? But then he goes on to say, surely goodness and? Shall what? How long? How long? Now, can we just say, well, that was for David. Man, I hope don't nothing come on me. But see, you got to understand, no matter what happens, if afflictions do come, 
What's backing you up? Goodness and mercy. But it's only for folks who know God is there. And notice how long goodness and mercy are going to back you up or going to have your back forever. As long as you're here on earth, it's going to be some goodness and mercy. Man, Paul so understood stuff like this to where he, he, would, he would get revelation, you know, because you can't help but look at Psalm 23 and 6 and go to Romans 8 and 28 and know if you rightly divide the word that, that Paul is in line with this right here. Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for the what? To those who what? And are the call according to his what? In a word, folk whose the Lord is their what? Shepherd. It's going to work for their good. All what? Things. That means forever it's going to work for their what? Good. Because the Lord is their what? Saying basically the same thing, just in different words. It's going to work for their good. And when you think about mercy, mercy is a good thing. Surely goodness and Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.